And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. Yes, guys, it is that time again, another Thursday edition of The Kuehl Show, because that means it's playoff time. Playoffs, yes, playoffs. Finally, we're at that point, guys. You know, it's been crazy. It's only a 56-game season, I know, but it's just it's great to know that we've gotten to this point. It's exciting. And the reason why we have to do our playoffs, even though the regular season's still going on tonight, we'll probably talk about a couple of those games later on. Only an hour long today, of course. But we need to get involved here with the playoffs because they start this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Now, yes, Calgary and Vancouver play until next month, but that's neither here nor there. They're not in it. We got to talk about playoff time. But before we get to all that, we must talk about our awesome sponsors here on 12 Ounce Sports. Make sure you get involved there using the hashtag TKS. Watch us on 12 Ounce Sports on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Zingo TV, channel 761. Also, with the playoffs coming up and NBA playoffs as well, mybookie.ag. Get in there and win and get paid. Use the promo code 12 Ounce Sports to sign up and win on mybookie.ag. Don't ask me for playoffs because, I mean, let's be honest, my picks that I'm going to make, they're probably not going to be right. So don't bet on what I say, but go on there, mybookie.ag, and get paid. And as always, second string leather company up there in the corner, collection number eight coming out, guys. Get yourself all geared up for the playoffs with the best and coolest stuff from secondstringleather.com, hashtag crafted from the crease. Now, as you see in the ticker above my noggin here on 12 Ounce Sports. Now, of course, if you're just you know listening, then you kind of maybe don't know what the ticker is. You see the playoff matchups, a lot of them starting up, like we said, Saturday and Sunday. Western Conference need to be determined, which that'll be determined tonight as Colorado looks to possibly jump Vegas for the President's Trophy, but we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show, maybe a little bit longer than an hour today. I feel like we had a lot to talk about. Uh, Jack Eichel, of course, as well, that whole saga. It's going to be a little bit interesting in the offseason there in Buffalo, but we're going to start off strong here. Because we're going to talk to someone that we did talk to before on the show. Didn't quite go well, at least technically or technologically it didn't go well. So we're going to have a little bit of a redemption shot here. She is one of the hosts of Slapshot Sweethearts podcast, which you can catch up on Belly Up Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. A fan of the Boston Bruins and a fan of Brad Marchand. We give her a pass for that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Shannon Wallace. Shannon, how are we doing? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, well, you know what, Shannon, the playoffs are upon us and I and my wife is screaming out in the living room. She is happy for it, too. Shannon, how excited are you that the postseason is finally here? I feel like it's a long time coming. I mean, especially with all these delays in the North and the West. I'm just sitting here as an East fan, like counting the hours until I can watch a game again. It's it's so crazy, and I I remember well. The thing was, literally up until today, we didn't know the only series that we knew about was Boston and Washington, which we'll obviously we'll get to here in a second. But we didn't know when the rest were going to start. Obviously, the North is going to start the latest because Winnipeg has to play. Winnipeg and Toronto both have to play this weekend, so they're like, let's give them a break while everyone else is like, well, you guys are actually going to end on time because you guys had your COVID issues earlier. Of course, then again, Vancouver had like a month off. It seemed like. But it's the get what is your feeling for this the season as a whole around the National Hockey League? Obviously, like we said, you know, you you focus a lot of your attention on the East, but you know, you do talk about, you know, to I've seen a lot of your guests on the Slapshots We Arts podcast. You have guests from the Central Division and the West and whatnot. What has your been your overall feeling about this season in general? It's been a very odd year to say the least. Yeah, we do cover the entire NHL. So although, I mean, obviously we do have an inherent bias for the East just because that's where we grew up. That's where our teams are. But I mean, we've covered the entire league. It's been very interesting to watch, especially because of the shortened season. I mean, we thought that was going to be a detriment, but it's actually been the same way the NBA's play-in series has made everything a bit more competitive. I feel as though it's kind of the same for the 56-game season for the NHL. I mean, everyone's been competitive down to the wire from every division a little bit of a different way. So, I mean, I've been happy to watch it again, excited for the playoffs. It's a little bit of an interesting situation in the North, you know, Vancouver and Calgary are just kind of playing, playing these games out that don't matter at all. Um, And so we're just kind of waiting (laughs) until they can finish that up. But it's been great to see, I mean, all things considered, I think the NHL handled it as best they could without a bubble. So, I mean, I think it went well. Uh, You know, out of all the possibilities that could be, because trust me, there were times 
early on, especially with Buffalo having issues and New Jersey having COVID. And of course, Dallas starting off the year with COVID problems. It just seemed like, man, is this going to ha- is this going to work? And of course, a lot of the folks in the North Division see we got this in the bag. And then all of a sudden, Vancouver just gets lambasted right. with COVID issues. It's like, oh, boy, maybe it's not perfect after all. But I, the only thing I can say, Shannon, this last point here before we get to the series between Boston and Washington, is the fact that there was no point this year, for me at least, I'll ask you if you had the same feeling, that this season was not going to, once it started, it was going to be completed in some shape or form, whether it be all 56 games are played or maybe only 50 and you have point percentage and whatnot, but the season was going to go through its entirety, no matter what. Did you have that feeling? Did you have, were you feeling as blindly confident as I was? Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I I hate to keep comparing it to the other professional leagues, but you obviously have to because of the way that they, each of them has handled it a little bit differently. And when we were watching the NFL, everyone was like, you know, they're forcing these games, they're making them play without their players. And the NHL did it in a manner, but they did it in, they handled it in a different way. And I think for a while, particularly with the Vancouver situation, since like you said, they had a month off and it was a little bit different for the devils because it was so early in the season that they could figure out that scheduling problem. But with the Canucks, you know, it was so late in the season that it's like, do you continue to play out these games? I mean, they were, if it were the Maple Leafs, I mean, I can't even imagine how the NHL would have handled it. Because, oh, they would have shut know, the league down. A, league would have been shut exactly. down. <laughs> if it's a higher, you know, someone in higher contention, the league handles it differently just because of inherent bias. I mean, there's nothing we can do about that. But there was a time when I thought Vancouver wasn't going to finish their season, but that was the closest in which I really thought, you know, we might be screwed here. I mean, we being the NHL, because I really have no connection to Vancouver, but you know, I mean, that was the closest I thought to like, I don't know what the NHL is going to do here. And I'm granted, it's a little frustrating seeing them play out all these Vancouver games just because I want the playoffs to start, but they handled it well. They figured out how to make up what, like 15 or 20 games without seeing a huge impact in the North. So, I mean, good for them. The crazy thing is, so they're going to start the playoffs and Vancouver. It's, it's funny. I look at the schedule online and on my app and I'm like, all these Calgary Vancouver games, but there's like Islanders and Pittsburgh taking on each other the same night. It, it's the best way to describe it is when you're focused, like for the world junior tournament and in, in a normal year with relegation in the top division, you're having the quarterfinals and semifinals, but at the same time on the same day, you're having the relegation mm-hmm. series being played. Right. It's like, oh, they're so cute. Yeah, Germany can play Latvia as much as they want, but let's focus on the big matchup now. But that's but I, for, I think, the real reason why these games are being played, because there were lots of talks, you know, once they become, you know, out of the playoff picture, which let's be honest, because they only had so few games played, that wasn't until, I believe, Wednesday when Montreal was able yeah. to pick up a point. But there was talks that once that happened, they were trying to cut it all together. But the problem I was, was a proponent of them canceling that. But I, I know you're going to say the draft lottery was the, the big issue there. And I hadn't even thought of it just because the Bruins haven't been a draft lottery team in years. So it didn't cross my mind. But obviously, they do have to play it out because they're playing the Flames, who are also in draft lottery contention. Well, I'll say being a Leafs fan, we kind of had the draft lottery in our back pocket for a few. Uh, pardon me. Well, we we thought we did, but Edmonton decided to do that for us. Uh, yes. But well, there, that and also another thing that's kind of come out le- recently that I've also heard performance bonuses. That's another thing that's also been a little bit of a, a thing with at least the player from the player side of things. The league uh, side, yeah. obviously, the draft, which is going to happen eventually. And I got to see a good look at a few players when I did the U18s. But let's focus here on the playoffs. This is a a big series coming up. And if you asked me heading into this year, a Boston Washington series, I would not say first round because I'll be honest, I picked Boston to win this division because I thought Boston's going to do what they've done for the last three or four years, get good goaltending, beat up all the, you know, pretty much the entire division and compete with Washington. I mean, now granted Washington and Boston have not been the same division, but Boston, Shannon, you know, they, it's been a weird kind of turn for them. They started to turn things back to normal and maybe on the positive side after the deadline. Cause remember we had you on, we talked about the big addition of Taylor hall. He's looked yeah. really good, but overall, how do you think the Boston Bruins went from possible division t- division champ contender to only finishing third in this division? You know, I think it says a lot 
not about the Bruin season, and I don't mean to come off bias, but I don't think it says a lot about the Bruin season. I, sa- I think it says a lot about the competitiveness in the East. And something I was really harping on on our particular show was that before the Rangers really lost steam in the last two or three games, there was less than 10 points separating first and fifth place, which, I mean, it says an incredible amount about what the seeding really means. I mean, with Washington up six points on the Rangers, who are not even in playoff contention, and then you look at the Central or the West, and it's like 15 points back to get to the fourth place seed competition. It The East is so incredibly competitive in a good way. But I mean, people have asked me all week, who do I think is coming out of the East? And I genuinely cannot tell them because I think both series are going to go at least six or seven games. And I think the Bruins, I'm not surprised how their season went because they had such a young core. They had significant losses in the offseason. And then the young core, you know, slacked in the middle of the season and they were able to make good additions at the trade deadline that really boost them. So they didn't have to rely on the top line as much. They could rely on the top two lines and Taylor Hall and David Krejci have really clicked, which I think is going to bring them incredible momentum going into the series against the Capitals, knowing that the Capitals haven't been playing fantastic the last couple of weeks, but the competitiveness in the East is impossible to ignore when you look at these seedings and these points. I mean, I forgot the Bruins went up to third because they were just sitting in fourth, like a point back for what a month. Like, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. I, you know, what's, what's more surprising Shannon is the, what's more surprising to you? The Bruins, I don't want to say the, the bot not having home ice advantage in these playoffs, but like you said, you kind of expected it just the way the, the core went, but the fact that they were able to bump to third or the fact that, Pittsburgh somehow won this division, which uh, at one, is the, the at one, shock. Oh man. At one point I'm like, this team's not going to make the playoffs. I picked them not to make the playoffs. Then again, I, I also picked, yeah, I had them in fifth and I had the flyers in fourth. Ugh, I, I picked, I picked the flyers in second and uh, that's, that's not looking too good either, but it, that's just how crazy this division is. But Washington, they're, they're a team that bought the deadline similar to the Bruins. They didn't make a lot of moves, but they made a big move getting Anthony Mantha, what makes this a such a tight series going in? Because these teams have played really close games this pretty much this entire season. Yeah, I mean, the Capitals have had their core for years and years and years now. I mean, their core hasn't even changed since they won in 2018. They've, they've made additions and they've had a couple losses. Like Jacob Brana in that trade was a big loss for them, even though he wasn't, you know, a Niskanen or an Ovechkin or an Oshie. Um, but what the Capitals are playing for is entirely different than the Bruins. The Capitals are playing because they have nothing to lose. They've got a year or two before they're going to enter a rebuild because that team is so old. Whereas the Bruins have a really young core and they've got some key pieces that they are going to lose in the next couple of years. I mean, Bergeron's, I think 34, 35 years old. David Krejci is around that same age. Even Marchand is, I think 32. But when you look at the Capitals, they really are playing for another year or so before they're out of contention, particularly when you look at the Rangers and how much momentum they have in the next four or five years. So, I mean, I think they're playing for different things and different things are going to, you know, propel them and really get the momentum going on the ice. But the Bruins have historically played well against the Capitals this season, not in prior seasons. So I think that's a big part. And then you can't ignore the fact that Chara is on the other side of the locker now. I mean, Chara is going to be really emotional on the ice and you cannot ignore playoff Chara. Like when he turns that on, it is a problem for the opposing team. And that concerns me a lot because it's really going to mess with the heads of a lot of those Bruins players who relied on Chara heavily to bring them forward throughout the playoffs. Well, the thing with Chara, and this is coming from a guy that had to watch him literally beat up anyone, any leaf that went to the front of the goal for three, seven game series. (laughs) I can tell you he is it. The, the regular season to Chara does not matter. The, it does. I mean, yes, it helps that he's there and he's able to help lead the team, but it's it's the playoffs and why he's still a valuable asset. He may not be the fastest, but boy, he's got a ten foot long hockey stick. And when the playoff when the playoff rulebook comes into play, that's his game, and that's what's going to really help Washington maybe be a little bit tougher against the Bruins team that's been historically a tough team to play in the postseason. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Char, you said it. Char's game completely changes in the playoffs, and it's going to be really difficult, especially because you haven't seen a lot of this young Bruins core play in the playoffs. I mean, they, I, we were joking on our stream 
that like the Providence Bruins were playing the other day against the Capitals because we sat most of our core. But oh, yeah. I mean, so much of our starters that they sat are only in their first or second season playing a full, you know, 56, well, typically 82, but 56 games with the Bruins. And I mean, I trust Bruce Cassidy has done an incredible job bringing that core together. And Charlie McAvoy has brought those young Bruins defensemen to a level that I did not expect at all. But you can't ignore the fact that I, this was my concern going into the winter classic too, that if the young core cannot keep mental focused, we're, we're screwed. It's we're absolutely screwed. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot riding on it. It's, it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to go probably six or seven games, but I don't, I don't know. I can't, <laughs> there's so much, so much to consider. Oh, I'm going to make my pick here probably probably right when we wrap up with you, but it's going to be wrong, no matter what it is. The only prediction I've ever gotten right on this show, well, I've had a couple that were close, but the only one I ever really got right that was actually huge was when I, before the Tampa Bay Lightning got swept by Columbus, I said they were going to win the Cup in 2020 because the best regular season team doesn't win the Cup anymore. And yes. when I was right, I almost lost it because I first of all, like, that's like the first time ever on this show. But this is a the the crazy part of this series is while there is the perfection line, Marchand, Pasternak, and Bergeron up there for Boston, and yes, there's Ovechkin there and Backstrom with Washington. The stars are there for both teams, but this is a series that you got to look further down the lineup. And Washington maybe not so much. And it's a guy that I mentioned on this show, and it's never in a good tone. But it's Tom Wilson. How wow. important? <laughs> like it's. It's so crazy to look at this guy and think this is the X factor in this series. But unfortunately, but he, that's the truth. That's the truth, Shannon. He is going to be play big. And that's why I propose this question. How much do we see of Trent Frederick in this playoff series, if at all? Yeah, I mean, Trent Frederick and Nick Ritchie have both been a point of contention for Bruins fans all season. Not because people are against them but because they're both bringing the X factor in terms of enforcer that the Bruins need, but they're being healthy scratched because they're not skilled players. And so it's a really tough balance. If they were playing the Islanders, I would probably say scratch them because there are at least for some of the games, because you don't need that enforcer player, but the Bruins also have, you know, the Brandon Carlo hit that Tom Wilson had yep. that took Brandon Carlo out until like a week or two ago. So I mean, they're going to have that going for them. Tom Wilson is on an absolute tear of dirty hits in the last two or three weeks. And I can't imagine that's going to stop going into the playoffs. So that's going to bring, you know, a, a different energy to the ice that we're going to have to contend with. And if these young Bruins players cannot keep up with a playoff Chara, a playoff Wilson, a playoff Ovechkin, all these guys that have no fear of throwing a punch, they're going to get beat down. And that's going to affect their mental focus as well. And that's why, like I mentioned, Charo is such a big deal. And, you know, I know I'm going back to my Leafs fandom here, but that 2019 series in that first round, the Leafs win game one pretty handily. And David Backus comes out and says, we played soft. Who's in the lineup next game? Backus is in there. Chris Wagner is in there. And they literally bullied the Leafs in game two. That's what the Bruins are going to have to bring. And, you know, while you want your skill guys to play their game, they're going to need to play that Boston Bruins hockey that has been pretty much synonymous with the franchise dating back to the 70s with Don Cherry, right? Yeah. And it, it's going to be an – if it goes seven games, it's going to be an eight-game series because they literally just played. So, I mean, the the chemistry and the buildup of anger between these two teams on the ice is going to come quickly. Not only – I mean, this isn't specific to the Bruins and the Capitals because every team is going to have to go through this, but how many times have they faced each other this season – because of these division breakdowns, like all these teams have faced each other, what, like seven times? They have already built up anger toward each other for at least most of these. Some of these teams probably don't give a crap about each other. But there's already anger there that you're going to see in game one, which usually takes until like game four to develop. So, I mean, it's going to be really interesting and it's going to be exciting to see that type of physical hockey as long as both teams can keep up with it. Well, each team, well, each team was four and four, or they've each had four wins against each other this year. Boston had four wins. They only lost, they lost two, though, in regulation to the Caps. So technically, they picked up 10 points the of the Bettman 10 points, if you will, though, against the Capitals. So, you know, they have that little bit of the advantage coming in. But the crazy thing, and I know it's going to sound dumb because it's going to sound like I'm harping on the Bruins like this, but boy, and it's going to sound like a Boston thing, the goaltending. That's the big, and yeah. of course, I say that, 
And looking at Washington, they have Vitek Vanacek they're probably going into this series with, a guy that's never had NHL playoff experience because Ilya Samsonov, for some reason, can't stay off the COVID list, and they probably won't have Kuznetsov. Well, they probably will, but there's an issue right there as well, but that's another story for another day. But Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak, I we went. No, Halak's not playing. Actually, you're right. It's um, you're right. It's uh, Jeremy Swayman. Right, yeah, that's right. Halak's gonna be out. Jeremy Swayman. That's what my point was gonna be. You're gonna have Tuka Rask in there, but unlike every other year, where you would have Halak be in that one B, and if you know Rask, you know, last year was a very odd circumstance with everything, with having to take a personal leave, but you don't have that safety net in Yaroslav Halak now. Now you have Jeremy Swayman, as while as good as he is and as great of a goaltending prospect he is. You don't want to just kind of throw him to the wolves against Washington in the in the playoffs because he is a rookie. So how important is Tuka Rask going to be going into this series? Yeah, so we were Megan and I were guests on the Bottom Line podcast last night that we recorded, and we were debating this for a while because I was I was contradicting myself. We were talking about the uh, excuse me the Panthers Bolt series and talking about how Spencer Knight has looked incredible, and he had just played in the USA Hockey. Uh, gold medal game and he has this high high stress game in his recent history so it shouldn't be that far of a stretch to put him in a playoff game right they could probably go with this 1a 1b situation but then I was saying you know Carter Hart has not looked great because they threw him to the wolves and expected him to be the starter at 22 but then I was talking about the Bruins and saying you know I am going to re- rely mentally, at least if I were Bruce Cassidy, I am going to rely heavily on Jeremy Swayman because Tuka Rask has not looked good. I, he's a great goaltender, but he is a point of contention in the Bruins franchise. However, he has not looked great in high stress games because his mental focus is horrendous. I know that's like what I keep going back to, but Tuka Rask does not do well in high stress games because his he's just not in it. And you can tell at the ver- in five minutes in a game, you can tell if Tuka Rask is in, mentally in the game or if he's not. And it shows very, very clearly, but they won't pull him because of that. You know, you can't just say, you know, you're not in it. We're going to put the backup in. So, I mean, yeah, I think they really need to go with the 1A, 1B situation because Tukaras doesn't have the mental stamina to play the seven-game series without, you know, taking a day or two off. And, I mean, I don't want to throw Jeremy Swayman to the Wolves because, like you said, he's an incredible prospect and he looks fantastic. And I don't want it to be a Carter Hart situation. But I also don't want to lose this series because Tuka Rask doesn't have the mental stand. He's probably going to retire at the end of the season. Like, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a toss-up. It's a risk. It's a benefit and a curse. The, the thing is, is and you say he's never good in, in Game 7s, and all of a sudden I went back because, unfortunately, this is the eighth anniversary of one I game know, seven I've seen quite a few videos of it today. <laughs> I've done a really darn. Thankfully I have another job that able to kind of keep my phone off to the side while I'm doing some other writing. Cause it, it's the, uh, that ugh. you're going to get me fired up, Shan. It's not good. <laughs> no, um, no, but, uh, that game, because people remember, Oh yes, Boston won. See Tuka Rask won a game seven. It was four, one for a reason. Children, Cody Franson, Cody Franson had two goals in that game. And then yeah. in game, and then in 2018, it was four three going into the third period, and then the whole tw- then it was a 20 minute disaster for the Leafs. But once again, giving up four goals and in game seven, that's what Tuka Rask did. Now, yes, 2019 was whatever. There was there was a lot of screwdrivers involved in that watching that game. But uh, to your point, yeah, though, but that was Tuka Rask's Vesna era. He was yeah. better then than he is now. Yes, and especially in, in 2019, he was really good. And then unfortunately, game seven at home in the Stanley Cup Finals didn't quite go so well. And I, I don't now I will remembering that game, Shannon, you can probably correct me on this. I don't blame Tuka Rask for game seven against the blues, but then again, I may oh, be wrong. No. I, I mean, the entire team wasn't, wasn't on the ice that night. I mean, there was a bad goal scored in the first like five or 10 minutes. And then it was just, you know, it looked like a bad, bad preseason game. It was, I was, I was personally at a Boston bar in Washington, DC and standing on a patio in the pouring rain, watching that demise. And <laughs> it was just absolutely horrendous. But there was not one player that you can blame for that. But every single one of them looked bad. And that's that's why I forgot to mention here when we brought you on, Shannon. Shannon lives in Washington, D.C. So this may be a little bit of a odd series for her. Because I'm trying to think the last time these two teams faced off in the playoffs was, wasn't it not 2012? Right? 2012 when Joel Ward scored in Game 7, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, they play pretty frequently in the regular season, and they play pretty frequently in important games, but they haven't... I think I just, like, 
assuming they've played in the playoffs recently because they've played so often this season that it's feeling like that would have been the norm. But the Bruins playoffs are the Bolts, the Canadians, and the Maple Leafs. (laughs) Yeah. That's, you know, that's the historical norm, so... But no, that it's been a while since. They've, but the the games they've been, of course, Frederick going after Tom Wilson earlier on this year got everyone fired up. This is going to be a uh, dare I and there's and this is the best part about the first round is just always fun because there's just bonkers going to happen. By the time you get to the conference finals and finals, it's like <sighs> we're still here. But but early on, it's just wild gun, wild wide open hockey. So now the time, the question is here, Shannon. What is you said six or seven, but who takes it is the question. I can't even remember what I said last night. <laughs> I think. Hey, if you said, said if you if you change your mind, then you have fifty fifty chance of getting it right. We'll say we'll I, go with I, our I show. Do think it, I think it's going to be six or seven, but I'm going to say Bruins and six because I I can't ignore. I know it sounds biased, but I can't ignore the momentum that the Bruins have had since they have acquired Taylor Hall. It's absolutely undeniable. Curtis Lazar was a, you know, attack on so that they could take Taylor Hall's contract. And he looks fantastic. I mean, it's impossible to ignore everything they have going for them on the ice right now. And my only concern is that they've had too much time off and they're going to go into a new series with an entirely separate, you know, goal and mental like thing they need to set up and, you know, shit the bed like they did when they got to the bubble last year um when they were the top of the division and then they had to the bottom seed but as long as that doesn't happen their stamina right now is absolutely undeniable and i think that they can really build off of that curtis lazar is i don't want to say the biggest disappointment ever up until probably this point because he looked (laughs) his best but i i remember lazar coming out of juniors he played in ottawa with the 67s and he he gets drafted i'm like all right this and he was a big player for the canadian world junior team back in 2015 when they won and i'm like man this guy is good. He is legit. He's going to make it in the NHL. Has a couple good stints with Calgary. And and I'm like, oh, another great junior player. But you know what? Maybe just the, it's a, sometimes that changes scenery helps for a guy. No, yes, he's not going to. Well, I would say he's not going to be the guy that you're you know, highlighting in your spotlight in your pregame show. But the playoffs, the way they work, Shannon, you as well know as you as anyone else will know this. You need that guy on the fourth line that all yeah, of a sudden just gets it. The Bruins have bad ish injury issues in the playoffs, so we do need that depth. And, I mean, people said that Taylor Hall wasn't going to be that highlight guy anymore, and I think it's, like you said, it's a roster chemistry thing. I mean, if you find the right fit, you can do amazing things and really recharge a career. So, I mean, if Curtis Lazar and Taylor Hall want to be that highlight reel, then all the power to them. Well, now, actually, I'll, I'll leave you with this question here, Shannon. Obviously, the playoffs. Boston, you say six. I'm going to go... Oh, just because I feel like Tom Wilson won't get suspended. I'm going to go Washington in seven because <laughs> no matter what Tom Wilson does, even though, I mean, he has 43, which you think, hey, you did it to Nazem Kadri back-to-back playoff years. You couldn't do it to Tom Wilson, but George Peros has a has something with Washington that he likes, I guess. But that's neither here nor there. That's another rant for another time. But the with, with Taylor Hall's performance this year, do, I mean, does Don Sweeney write out a contract with Taylor Hall's name on it? And if so, how much for how long? Yeah, no, he for sure tries to re-sign him. I mean, Taylor Hall should be trying to re-sign, not because he looks so great in Boston right now, but because he, I always like to compare him to like, you know, people fresh out of college that change companies every year or so, and then their resume looks like crap because they can't commit anywhere. That's what Taylor Hall looks like right now. And if he leaves another place, he's going to look like he has commitment issues, which he kind of does. But I mean he doesn't sign with Boston, he's going to, I don't know that other people are going to try to sign him or he's going to get no money. So if he's able to really support the Bruins in the playoffs, he can probably get pretty good money. I mean, what he made a crap load from Buffalo, maybe 4 million, 5 million. So uh, 8 million was the contract, but somehow Don Sweeney was able to tell Kevin Adams, Hey, you're a first year GM. You don't know anything. Take 50% of it and give us Curtis Lazar too. And Kevin Adams. Sure. We'll get yeah, to Kevin John Adams Sweeney later on the show. Absolutely fleeced him. I don't know, maybe four million, five million if he really has a great playoff run. Yeah, it was Taylor Hall. I mean, I remember the interview right after he got traded. He said he'd like to stay in Boston, and obviously the way he's played, he said it recently too. Yeah, yeah. and shoot, if hey, if he plays like that, if he, I think for him a good three or four year contract, maybe not eight million dollars, but something in the good ballpark of like you said, four to five. I think Taylor Hall would like that because hey. 
he's going to get the play. He's going to get the minutes with, you know, with Bergeron getting older and Marshan and Pasternak getting, oh, they're, I guess they're all the same age. Those guys are, but yeah, the, Pasternak's the, only 23. So, they, but oh, I mean, Taylor Hall and Pasternak on the same line. Once the other guys get older, it could be incredible. That's true. It Boston is as annoying as see, that's the one thing I guess I didn't miss about this season, for, you know, watching the Leafs. Like we don't have Boston this year. It's just Montreal and Edmonton. Now, yes, those fan bases already hate us as it is, but Boston, it's like if we lose to Boston, it just rehashes all the bad memories. So you don't have that against Edmonton or Montreal because the Leafs are playing Montreal in the playoffs for the first time in 42 years, and they've never played Edmonton in the playoffs. So it's like, you know, at least we don't have to worry about that. It's Boston. It's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's like a rite of passage that, you know, we play Montreal in the first round and then we play whoever's next. You know? Oh, for a few years, that was the case, right? Like uh, there was 02, 04, 08, 09. I think 09 was when Boston finally beat Montreal in the first round, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Well, I went to a, a before I moved to DC, I went to a Montreal Boston game seven, like a while ago, and they lost to Montreal. Um, and it was not safe to be in Boston for that evening. It was, and I was not 21 or anything. I was like a child <laughs> I think, and it was like chaos. <laughs> I believe that was Oh four. Cause Bergeron won game six in overtime. This is how dumb my memory is. Shannon won game six in overtime. That was his rookie year in Oh four. He won in Montreal in his home province. They came back Boston had all the momentum and yeah, game seven happened. See, even Boston fans know, folks, what Game 7 is like against, you know, losing to a Canadian team, except Toronto, it's reversed. You know, it's not good. It, I'm yeah, scarred. We're all scarred. playoff game in Boston, and they lose to the Canadians, and you never go back. Exactly. <laughs> we have been talking here with Shannon Walsh of Slapshot Sweethearts Podcast. Catch them on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Check her out her work with Megan. They just posted a video earlier today. I just had it up, but I lost it. There it is. They talked with Riley. Is it? Okay. Is Riley tufted or toofed? Tufty. Tufty. That's what I was right. Uh, play is with the Dallas Stars organization, plays with the Texas Stars as well. They had an interview with him. Check that out. You can catch it on their YouTube channel as well. So if you're watching on 12 Ounce Sports YouTube, check it out. Slapshot Sweethearts after this show, of course. Wait till our, we're done here on 12 Ounce, and then you guys can go watch it. It's up forever. That's the per, per, perks of on demand. Shannon, thank you very much for taking the time today. Enjoy the playoffs, and maybe we'll talk to you again, of course, given that Boston wins around. Yeah, thank you so much. And anybody listening, feel free to check out our YouTube channel. We'll be streaming pretty much every night throughout the playoffs with live coverage. So feel free to check that out. And thank you again for having me. That'll be fun. Hey, I, I tune into those. Those are always fun because you guys rant and rave about hockey during the, you know, during the actual games. It's kind of fun. Like a little bit of extra commentary. That's, you know, you know, sometimes better than what they have on NBC. That's why they're not there. Right. Anymore. It's like you're watching at a bar. <laughs> exactly. And the best part is you don't have to pay for drinks there either. That's the best part, right? Exactly. (laughs) We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, more playoff preview coverage and Jack Eichel talk here on 12 Ounce Sports. And welcome back, everyone, to the Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Thank you once again. Huge shout-out to Shannon Walsh joining us from the Slapshot Sweethearts podcast. Catch that on Belly Up sports podcast network and also their youtube channel as well like she said we still have a lot of playoffs coming up i thought this was going to be a one and done playoff preview episode hence why we did it on thursday and uh well kids up uh, that's not the case because the nhl announced today the schedule for the playoff series and when they're going to start now yes like i had mentioned prior folks this was going or they they announced it and there is still a little bit of seating to be determined that coming out of the West Division because L.A. and Colorado play one more game tonight. Colorado wins. They take the top spot and the President's Trophy. First time since, I believe, 2001 that they win the President's Trophy. Big story, obviously, for them. And you know what? It's crazy because they're, they've, they obviously handled L.A. last night. 6-0. J.T. Comfer, by the way, with the hat trick. They're starting they're starting Jonas Johansson in goal. Obviously, it's a back-to-back situation, but you wonder what their, their depth's going to be goaltending-wise going into these playoffs. That's going to be the big question, I think, for Colorado. Obviously, they have the talent up front. McKinnon, Landeskog, 
comfort, obviously. They have depth pieces like Kadri. Jonas Donskoy's played well as well for Colorado. So probably get Eric Pasolano maybe in that sometime next week to talk about it. But so the I'll, I'm not going to preview the West yet, even though it's going to start actually Monday night. Or they'll start Sunday night with the playoffs. Monday night will be one series. So Colorado and Vegas. Whoever, if Colorado wins tonight, they will play St. Louis starting on Monday. However, if they lose or only get one point, Vegas gets the top spot. They'll play St. Louis starting on Monday night. Colorado or Vegas, whoever gets the number two, Colorado or Vegas, they'll take minute on Minnesota uh, starting on Sunday. Now, we sh- I have to reach out to a guest because we should be having someone on for that series on Monday night, which will be our typical time, 6 to 8.30. We also have another guest confirmed for that date as well. So we'll have a couple guys to talk to on the show Monday to talk about a couple of series. The North Division, we won't do that yet because we can save that for Monday's episode. Why, kids? Because, well, they don't start until Wednesday. Edmonton and Winnipeg, that is the two versus three. Edmonton, the two seed. Winnipeg somehow holds on to the three seed despite the way they play towards the end there. They will face off in Edmonton on Wednesday, the 19th. That's their first game with potential Game 7 being all the way on May 30th. The Leafs and he- Leafs in Montreal, the series, like I mentioned, first time in 42 years these two teams face off in the postseason, will be on next Thursday, the 20th, will be the first game. So a week from now will be the first game for the Leafs. The reason why, they want to give teams a few days off in be- before they start the playoffs. Leafs play Friday. I believe Montreal does as well. I'm not quite sure. I don't have their schedule right up in front of me. But regardless, there is a lot to get excited about. But we'll break down a couple other playoffs that are going to start then. Like I said, we'll leave the West and the North for Monday's episode, mainly because we can kind of wait on Monday because Monday's game between Colorado or Colorado or Vegas versus St. Louis is not until 10 o'clock at night because no matter what, that game will be out far out West. We'll probably just do a, a preview with the Minnesota Wild series kind of after talking about that first game. Like I said, we have someone coming on for that show, hence why we're saving it for them. But let's get into, let's go with the, the we mentioned the Washington-Boston series. Let's get into the Pittsburgh-New York series. This is the second time in three years that these two teams have faced off in the postseason. The last time, of course, with the New York Islanders sweeping the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2019. This is a very interesting matchup because, like I mentioned with Shannon, who would have thought that the Pittsburgh Penguins were going to be the team that not just has home ice advantage against the Islanders heading into the season, but is the number one seed, the division champions. Let's be honest. With Malkin out at times, with Crosby out at times, Latang in and out of the lineup, Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith as their goaltenders, who was thinking that Pittsburgh was going to be the team to win this division, this highly competitive East division. And that's not a slight the fact that this East division's bad. No, this has been a very tough East division to play in because you have Washington and the Islanders and the Devils who were just, and, I, and people are like, oh, the Devils, how they suck. That was a pesky team. That was the East division's version of the Ottawa Senators who just beat the Leafs, by the way, last night with Frederick Anderson in goal. Now that's because Frederick was rusty AF, but that's a story for another time. I'm really excited about this series because can Barry Trotz get the Islanders to redeem themselves? And by redeem themselves, I mean just kind of try to turn the tide the way this season has gone. While goaltenders Ilya Sorokin have looked good and Simeon Varlamov have played well, they have not played well enough to be the best team. They were sitting in third for the longest time, like Shannon mentioned, before Boston finally jumped them late in the year. But it's all of a sudden looking like the, the sort of deal where all of a sudden the Penguins are looking like the Penguins that we remember from the early 2010s. Always up there towards the top of the division. Very tough to play against. Almost unbeatable at times. But, all, but you wonder, is the, is the age going to get there? For this hockey club. For the Pittsburgh Penguins. Is that how it's going to be? I'm not sure. I really don't know. I mean, obviously you're going to need guys really stepping up. Matthew Barzell, who led the team with only 45 points. But then again, this, of course, I say that and I totally have to remind myself that this is a Barry Trotz team. doesn't matter how many points they get. As long as they get more than the other team. Keep the puck out of the back of the net. That's the deal. 
Varlamov this year, he's been pretty good for the most part. Like 19, 11, and 4, 929 save percentage, seven shutouts on the year, very high number, 204 goals against average. But I think the big thing coming in here for them is the fact that they may not, they don't have the scoring depth that Pittsburgh has. Dare I say it? Hart Trophy candidate, Sidney Crosby. Now, he's not going to win it. Connor McDavid's going to win this year, guys. Let's be honest. But look at how good the defense is for this team. But then you have to point the fact that Tristan Jari has been pretty solid this year. 25-9, and tied for, or excuse me, is fourth in the league in wins. 909 save percentage. Maybe not the most best analytics, most best some of the best analytics in the league, but you're looking at guys that just for some reason have had great years in goaltend, like I said, Varlamov and Sorokin. Sorokin, his first full year in the National Hockey League, 918 save percentage, kind of about average, 217 goals against average, 13-6-3. Not awful, but the problem is, is their scoring or lack thereof. Let me just quick go here to NHL.com. That's what I've been trying to pull up here. Connor McDavid finished with 104 points. I can't believe they guessed that right. I, who was I taught? Who was I? I was listening to Hockey Central the other day. And I think it was J- Justin Bourne that said, you know, he's not going to finish at 100, right? He's going to finish with like with 104. He finishes with 104. They, excuse me. They have one game left to do. So I say keep him out of the lineup just for that sake. But I'm going down the list here, trying to find where the top, where 45 points sits in this. That's tied for 39th in the National Hockey League. The same number with Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman, by the way, yes, probably. I mean, even though he's not the best this year compared to others. Even even Chris, Chris Letang. I mean, Jason Robertson, who only played 51 games, has 45 points as well for the Dallas Stars. So that, that's my point. In this series, they're going to have to combat the off. They're going to have to stop the Pittsburgh offense. The Islanders are not going to score their way out of this series. Then again, I don't think that's Barry Trotz's mentality. Within Washington, he kind of had that ability with Backstrom and Ovechkin and Oshie. He had those kind of guys. That was the, probably the, the fortunate part for him there. Now with the Islanders, he realizes this is going to be a defensive team. And But the problem is, though, I don't know if the Islanders are going to be, while they may control defensively at times, they probably may lose every game this series, every loss they pick up, maybe a 3-2 or a 2-1 loss just because they can't find a way to put the puck in the back of the net. Now, you think maybe with Tristan Jari, you can probably do it, but I don't know, guys. you got to first be able, if you got to find a way to find guys that can pick up the slack offensively. That's the hard part for the Islanders going into this. If they do it, you're right. If they pull it off, they're going to have to somehow score more than three goals a game. It's going to be hard, though. It's going to be really tough for them. And that's why, oh boy, All right, here's my, oh man, pick. I'm going to go Pittsburgh, obviously. I'm going to go Pittsburgh in five. Pittsburgh in five, it's going to be low scoring in all five of those games, but I'm going five there with for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They move on to round two there in the East Division. And like I already made, so it'd be Pittsburgh versus Washington. Two versus one. (laughs) Again, Pittsburgh, Washington in the playoffs. Haven't heard that story before, eh, guys? Let's go on over to the Central Division. This will be the other one we'll talk about today. Like I said, we may go a little over an hour today. That's okay. There's nothing going on until later tonight here on 12 on Sports. The Central Division is beginning to look a lot like a complete and utter kerfuffle. At least not in the first round. Carolina versus Nashville. I love... Good buddy Peyton Turnage, member of the Five Timers Club here on the on the Kula Show. And of course, had an absolute blast with Pete Weber when we had him on last summer before the playoffs, before the bubble playoffs in 2020. Yet, I don't know how you don't pick Carolina in this series. And yes, is a goaltending a question? 100%. If Peter Mrazek and Alex Delkovich absolutely pooped the snoot, Boy, this is going to be a, an interesting series. But to be fair, to be fair, UC Saros has earned my respect. The way the playoffs ended last year for Nashville, just the way they got dismantled by the Arizona Coyotes, who got throttled by Colorado the next series, it just kind of showed that Nashville was done. And let's be honest, on, through Christmas, or pardon me, once the season started, 
through my birthday. Well, I say Christmas. Well, going into the season at Christmas time, I didn't think much of Nashville either. But going into Valentine's Day until dang near St. Patty's Day, I was pretty well certain that Nashville was out of this thing. There's no way. You're getting ready for trades. Ekholm's getting traded. Ellis is getting traded. Everyone's getting traded except for Pecorine because his contract was awful. And, and Roman Yossi, of course, because he's your captain and he's still your best player. But yet they turned it around. You saw a lot of guys step up. You saw a lot of, you know, a, a lot of players that have been pretty quiet start to play well as the season wore on. Now, yes, we talk about how bad the scoring was for, you know, for Matthew Barzell getting 45 points. Once again, Roman Yossi led the team with 33. But you had Mikhail Granlin, who was on the trading block, pick up some slack. Eli Tolvanen, when he was in the lineup, of course, was able to play well. If I'm not mistaken, let me just go down the list here. There was not a single Nashville Predator this year that played all 56 games. Not even Roman Yossi, who missed time. Now, yes, that doesn't hurt because of obviously there was COVID issues and whatnot with the National Predators, but it it was it, it's so strange to look at all this, and you wonder what the plan is going to be this team. Obviously, Saros is going to be your goaltender, but my thing is going up against Carolina, as good of a like a story that this would be for Nashville to come all the way back and win the first round. This is not the 2017 National Predators that are going up against the top seed in the division in Nash or in Chicago at the time and pull one out of their behinds because they got a really hot goaltender. Carolina just seems overwhelmingly better. Overwhelmingly better than the Predators, who made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, by the way, in 2017. This Predators team was not even as good as that team, that four seed going to those playoffs. And the Carolina Hurricanes are better than the Blackhawks were that year as well. That was obviously the end of that run for the Blackhawks. I don't, and Pecorino, yeah, stole that series. I don't see that happening with UC Soros. Look at, look at the Hurricanes. Andres Feshnikov, Sebastian Ajo. I mean, the, the list goes on and on with this hockey club. And you have a coach who, while it's apparently not official yet, even though I said on, the, on Monday's show, or excuse me, Sunday's show, that Rod Brindamore has signed his extension. It's not official yet, but that's what it's going to be. But just go down, Sebastian Otto, Vincent Trocek, who's been great. Dougie Hamilton, who Dougie Hamilton, who was supposed to be an afterthought after getting moved from Carolina, all of a sudden having another great year. Marty Natchez, Jordan Stahl, 32 years old, 38 points, though, in 53 games, not too shabby. Brett Pesci, Warren Fogle, Tuvo Teravine. This is a deep lineup. And I'm not even talking about their defense core, which includes guys like... Brady Shea and Jake Bean, who played 42 games this year, and Jacob Slavin, who <laughs> Jacob Slavin, it's that's it. We're gonna say it right now. Carolina is no longer the underrated team with any underrated players. They have everything in their favor right now to absolutely beat the wheels off the Predators. If UC Sarles stands on his head, they make it a six or seven game series. But guys, I I don't know. I'm going to go Hurricanes in five in this series because Nashville will get a win at home ice because with a lot of teams in the South, they're allowing a few more fans in now. I think Bridgestone Arena, Smashville is going to be hopping, going to be rocking quite a bit for them, but they'll get one win, but that's it. Hey, Dad, by the way, nice to see you, Dad. So it's it's a tough way to end for Nashville. The great run they had to get into a playoff spot, which took them literally up until their second to last game to actually clinch a spot over Dallas. Dallas is right there till the end. But it's it's going to be really hard for them. They're going to have a tough time against the Hurricanes. The other one in the Central. This is the fun one, kids. Florida, Tampa. The first time ever since the Florida Panthers came in 1993-1994. This is the first time ever that the two Floridian hockey clubs are going to face off in the postseason. Because somehow, someway, these two teams have just done a really good job of not being good at the same time. Now, of course, that is because of the fact that the Florida Panthers have seemingly never done well, even though they have won two division championships in their time. Not even 96 did they win the division, their division, the Southeast. Was it the Southeast back then? I don't remember what the Wales conferences were before, or Wales divisions were before 2000, before the Leafs got into it. 
because I believe that was the Southeast Division. I think, I think they had six divisions at that time when they did the full split once they started bringing in the expansion clubs. But 2012, they get knocked out in the first round in seven games. 2016, they get knocked out. And you know what? They had a tough go last year in the play-in round against the New York Islanders. But boy, this year's team is just so much different, guys. It's exciting to look at. And the year, and the, I keep saying it on the show. I know, guys, getting a little annoying. But the year I don't pick the Florida Panthers as my dark horse team all of a sudden decides that they have no pressure on them, I guess. And they're going to be one of the best teams. They were leading this division for quite some time, guys. Don't forget. Look at, but this is, I mean, now you got to look at the top and see Joel Quinville and see him like, this guy is figuring it out. Don't forget, last year, his first year, we'll give him the bypass on that one. Wasn't the best because, hey, he's trying to figure out what it's like to work in the sun. He's worked in St. Louis, he's worked in Colorado, and he's worked in Chicago. Three markets that during the hockey season, the weather's maybe not the best. All of a sudden, he goes to Florida where it's 95 degrees from sunup till sundown, 365 days out of the year, 366 on a leap year, and he maybe had to try to figure it out. Now, this has been a a good, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this hockey club because for a couple of reasons. One, obviously you have Johnny Huberto right there, Sasha Barkov, and guy by the name of Carter Verhage, which up until this year, if you said you knew who he was, you were clearly a Florida Panther fan and no one else because having him up there with 36 points, which is tied for third in the hockey club, is incredible. Obviously, Anthony Duclair has been an absolutely worldly different player we didn't know where he was going to play this year, but you thought, man, whoever picks up him, he he could do something for that team when he was not going to be brought back by Ottawa. What happens? Goes down to Florida. How about this? One of his best seasons ever, even in 43 games, 32 points this year for Duclair. Keith Yandel, Keith Yandel, 34 years old, 56 more games. That long play, the long consecutive game streak continues for the defenseman, 27 points. I remember I mocked him a couple of years back when he made it to the All-Star game, but he's showing that he is maybe not an All-Star, but a very talented defenseman and still worth mentioning in the National Hockey League. It's going to be interesting who they're, how they're going to, you know, obviously disperse everyone. You have Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett, who came over at the deadline from Florida, or from Calgary, excuse me, to Florida, I was really concerned about him because I'm like, all right, it seemed like things were going to get better with Calgary because he seemed like a Daryl Sutter player, but they give him a chance. And you know what? In 10 games, six goals, nine assists. He's fitting in well with Joel Quinville because you go from a grumpy old man and Daryl Sutter to a, a ticked off grumpy old man and Joel Quinville at times. Maybe it works out for him with those kind of guys that he plays with. The big thing I think that Tampa has in the series then against Florida, like I said, folks, we're going to go a little over the hour here today because of the playoff series. The thing about... Tampa, well, I, I say that, but then again, as well, let me go, just quick check this here. I didn't get the official word, but Victor Hedman, once again, having some problems. So, so he's back at practice, nine postseason return. Victor Hedman, who's missed the last couple of games for Tampa at the end of the regular season, he says he should be back for some reason. This just completely points 2019 to me all over again. Now, granted, that was the year they won 62 games for Tampa, so there may be not as much pressure on this hockey club, but man, losing Victor Hedman right before the playoffs. Don't forget, the Panthers are without Aaron Ekblad, who was having an incredible year up until that gruesome in knee injury he had just a short while ago. So now you're looking at two teams, arguably without their two best defensemen. Mackenzie Wieger, though, has been exceptional this year for Florida. Let's not hide ourselves on that. But you still look at these two teams. Tampa still has an amazing decor. I'm not going to lie to anybody about it. But is all of a sudden, now this is not just because of the fact that, you know, Florida's the higher seed, but is Florida the better team? Is that the case here? I mean, yeah, you still have up there. You still, like I said, Hedman's up there, but obviously his health is in question. Mikhail Sergachev's having another great year. Eric Chernak is going to be a huge depth piece, and you have still have Ryan McDonough, who's a tough guy back there. You you need the cert, you need the right pieces in this lineup. I, I dare I say it, guys. First of all, I'm excited to see Anton Strahlman go against his former team in these playoffs. Decor versus decor. Who do you pick? 
literally up until this year, anyone with a you know a simple one brain cell could pick Tampa. But all of a sudden, this year in general, if Hedman's 100% come game one on Sunday, you're right. Yes, Tampa's got the better decor right there because they have Norris Trophy winning Victor Hedman right there on the blue line. But without Victor Hedman at 100%, all of a sudden, Florida looks like the team that has the better defense. Now, yes, it helps that they have an all-world goaltender. Yep, I'm throwing that tag on Vasilevsky, kids. He gets it. 31 and 10, 925 save percentage, 2.21 goals against the average, whatever. Five shutouts. Vasilevsky may end up, I mean, he he may not. Oh, gosh. It's hard to not think that he's going to be in the Vesna conversation. I think this year more deservingly than last year that he's in the conversation. He may not win it again. We'll get to that when we get closer to trophy time. But Vasilevsky's having a great year. But and that this is probably where the victor goes to um Tampa. But while Tampa has Andre Vasilevsky, starting goaltender, how are you not looking at the tandem in Florida and saying that's better? Because look at it this way, guys. Yes, Sergey Bobrovsky. He did, he did okay, 19-8-2. Kind of started to turn things around. 2-9-1 goals against the average. Yikes. But they have Chris Drieger. Remember we talked with Ty Little from Litterbox Cats? How, it just, how much of a a breath of fresh air and a surprise that he is. It's so outstanding to look at the way this kid has come on this year. But the question is, can he beat Vasilevsky? Bobrovsky has shown he's can. But is Bobrovsky the Bobrovsky of 2019 that beat Vasilevsky? I don't think so, guys. Do we see Chris Drieger in game one? Maybe, but with that, that's probably the best hand Joel Quinville has in his back pocket right now is the fact that he is able to say, all right, Kevin Drieger, Kevin Drieger, Chris Drieger, you know what? Not a great start in game one, kid. Let's go Bob in game two because there are, there are back-to-backs in these playoffs, right? No. Yes, there. I thought there were not in this series. I was wrong. Oh, well, but Long story short, there will be uh, at some point. There's got to be a back to back, especially with the fact that you know you may have to move some games around for some reasons. But we'll get. Hopefully, we don't have to get to that point. I uh, but I like I like Tampa's goaltending more. I like the tandem better in Florida than I do Tampa. Florida than Tampa. Excuse me. I'm getting my words mixed up. Is this coffee done yet? No, it's not. Hold on. There we go. No more wrong words. The rest of the show. Knock on wood. Even though it's got like ten minutes left on it, probably. I'm looking at this series and I'm trying to think who I want more. Because as far as we know, as dumb as it may sound. Nope, okay, that's right. Yep, I was right. Nikita Kucherov is going to probably be coming back into the lineup for the playoffs. Nikita Kucherov, who's missed the entire season, by the way, with after, after surgery. I, I wonder how this is going to play out. I mean, can he come back and be a... Big time player. Now, I'm going to make a reference here, and you're going to have to take a grain of salt with it. Peter Forsberg missed the entire 01 02 regular season. And had it not been for Steve Eiserman playing in the Stanley Cup finals, those five games, Peter Forsberg, who I think was one point behind Eiserman for playoff scoring, would have been the leading scorer only playing in the first three rounds. That's how good Forsberg was in those playoffs. Now, once again, I have to remind myself that was 2002. Game was a little different back then. But we know how talented Kucherov is. And if he can get into game shape and maybe take a couple games, games one and two to get going, he could be a key factor. That said, if Florida doesn't let Tampa get into the series and let Kucherov get into rhythm, it may be a wasted roster spot. And that's why I'm going to pick in this series. Oh, man, I picked. uh, This is tough for me because I don't. uh, Here we go. Not a dark horse pick, but I'm picking them this year. The Florida Panthers win in seven games against Tampa. There's my pick. We're going to do more picks on Monday, of course, because, like I said, we're going to preview the two West Division series and the two North Divisions as well on Monday's episode Games one will be game one of the Minnesota Wild series, whoever they play, whether it be Colorado and Vegas, that will already be played. Yes. 
So I can't give you a pick. I made we may throw the tweet out there of what the picks are for the show before that series because obviously, I mean, I don't know who would be if I pick Minnesota over either Colorado or Vegas. But you know what? I may change my mind tomorrow. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. That's why I'm making these picks now, so you guys can hold them to me later on during the season. So last thing here before we let you all go here on this Thursday evening, let's just get it out here. Jack Eichel. Actually, you know what? Do I want to save Jack Eichel for Monday? We'll see if we have time Monday. Well, along if, for those that don't know, Jack Eichel had a press had a press availability earlier this week, pretty much saying that he was he wanted to get hernia herniated disc surgery, vertebrae disc surgery, but the team doctors would not let him. And apparently, according to him, it was not that easy. Apparently, the player he did not get a second opinion on it, which has obviously held him back. That's why he was not able to return to the lineup because he was injured because of his neck. Is he going to get a surgery in this offseason? We don't know. He obviously made it pretty clear. He didn't say it straight up, but he was pretty obvious that he does not want to be a Boston or Boston. What does not want to be a Buffalo Saber? He may be a Boston Bruin if, you know, once again, he can, if Don Sweeney can convince Kevin Adams to take up a chunk of salary. We'll get to Buffalo, I think, a little bit more in the offseason if something doesn't happen here soon. But Jack Eichel, disgruntled in Buffalo, probably won't be a Saber next year. We'll get to, we'll maybe dive into that a little bit more on Monday night. But that is it for this week's show, folks. This quick shift edition of TKS Playoff Edition, number one on Thursday. In a couple weeks, we're going to have to do earlier shows because I have to do the evening shift at the radio station. But they will be live here on, at least they will be at our time slot, 6 to 8.30 Monday night, 6 to 7 on Thursdays, just like we did last year for the playoffs. They will be on 12-ounce sports. Those earlier shows may be live on our Cool Show YouTube and Twitter as well and Facebook, so be sure to check that out as well. And, of course, folks, just a reminder, make sure you follow us. Hashtag TKS at the Cool Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So when we do go to those special early day shows that you're uh, that you're ready for, because if you're not, then, you know, you may miss out. You may miss out to me reacting to some breaking news, even though it'll be the morning during the playoffs. So hopefully there's no breaking news. Then again, I've been wrong before, and I'll probably be wrong again. So that is it for this Thursday edition of the show, folks. We'll come back Monday. Possibly one for sure. Possibly two guests on the show. A couple big names as well. We'll talk more later on this weekend. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, folks, and get ready for some playoff hockey. It's exciting. Ready to go. That's been it for this one here on the Inside of the Insiders. Tyler Kuehl saying so long from the Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Disappear with the